Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as always. This is episode 64. Hope everybody's having a fantastic week out there. We're having a great week over here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters. We have a really great interview for you today. Uh, We're going to focus on some gear stuff. I'm going to be joined by Josh Allen, who is the founder, CEO, and main man over at Independent Drum Labs, a.k.a. Indie Drums. So uh, please stay tuned after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, going to be joined here in just a second uh, by Josh Allen, the founder and CEO of Indie Drums, uh, also known as Independent Drum Labs. Um, They've just got some really cool stuff going on over there. And I've known Josh for a few years uh, from his time working at Ludwig. So I reached out to Josh and said, hey, man, I'd love to have you on the show to talk all about, you know, your life as a drummer and what you've got going on over at Indy. Um, and, and we get into some of the nuts and bolts of some of the really innovative stuff that that Josh has been up to over at Indy here over the last few years. And it's really cool stuff. Uh, so make sure you hit their website. Uh, we have a link up on the drum shuffle.com and all that good stuff and see some of the stuff that we're we're talking about so uh really pleased to have josh joining me here so help me welcome josh allen to the drum shuffle hey good evening josh how's it going brother doing great how are you man i can't complain a bit uh as usual thanks so much for taking some time to come on the drum shuffle we really appreciate it 
No, I'm excited to excited to chat with you. Well, we're excited to have you because I tell you what, you guys are doing some fantastic work up there in Michigan. But before we get into all that good stuff, um, let's start at the beginning. Did you grow up in Michigan? Uh, yeah, yeah, for the most part. Born in Ohio, but uh, lived in Michigan uh, starting when I was about one. So, okay, so yeah. so all of your memories are from Michigan then? Yeah, for the most part. I did have a stint uh, as an adult living out in New Hampshire for about three years, but other than that, I've been uh, based in different locations around Michigan. No, that's cool, man. So, all right, the burning question then is uh, Michigan Wolverines or Michigan State Spartans? So I went to Western Michigan, so like so you know, go Broncos. <laughs> um, I will say that uh, I did spend the last three years in Ann Arbor while my wife was going to U of M. So, um, so yeah, Wolverines, I guess. Okay. But I'm not like a I'm not a real sports fan, so. Uh, my opinion doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> well, I had to ask, you know, I, I grew up a Notre Dame guy, so I have to hate Michigan. So no offense, but, uh, you know, it's oh. just, it's bred into well, us. Yeah, well, nothing's bred into me, so I, I take zero offense to it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, now that we got that important stuff out of the way, um, yeah. Josh, how did you get into drumming? Did you... I mean, was it a school band kind of thing? Tell us how you ended up as a drummer. Uh, well, basically, my my dad was a drummer, um, and growing up, there was a there was a set of old Ludwig's in the corner in the basement, and uh, I think he he tried to get my brother involved in the drums, and you know, like put a snare drum in his room when he was growing up, and he never had any interest in it. So he always says you know, he tried to put them on a high up shelf and then I saw them and, and had to get them down. Um, yeah, they just had to be inconvenient and inaccessible. I and see. I was irresistibly drawn to them. So, um, so anyway, I was in, uh, about sixth grade and, uh, yeah, just, just demanded we get those things down and, and, uh, start playing around with them. And I did join the school band, um, played in, you know, played, percussion and in the school band uh, into the beginning of high school um and then uh yeah just just kind of took it off from there now d- during your formative years as a as a young fledgling drummer were you doing garage bands and stuff like that as well yeah for sure i i had uh, a number of bands um that i played in growing up and and through college um, you know, in, in, in fact, in college, when my classmates were doing internships, we were hitting the road, uh, with the band for, you know, a month or so, uh, just kind of driving around the country and, and, uh, you know, kind of paying our way cause we, we were not a big band and nobody really wanted to see us, but we were having fun and, uh, <laughs> and putting some miles on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sounds like my story completely, you know, it's like, okay, we have enough to, uh, you know, put a tank of gas in the van and grab some McDonald's. Uh, so that's your one meal today. And we're playing someplace else tomorrow night. It's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had uh, we had a van and we had a, a trailer that we pulled behind it that we built bunks into. So uh, it was uh, <laughs> nothing it was a little rough conditions. But when you're when you're, you know, 20 years old, who cares? That Well, that's exactly right. And, and safety first. Right. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, cool, man. Um, so I, I'm curious to know, uh, and when our paths first crossed, you were working for another drum company, um, and you were there for a while and designed some stuff and you can talk about that as much or as little as you want, but how did you get into building drums and designing hardware and things like that? When you went to college, did you do engineering? I mean, or is it just something that that you saw problems with what was out there and, and you took it upon yourself to solve those? Yeah. So, uh, um, I went to, to college for industrial design, um, which is kind of a mix between engineering and art. Um, so it's kind of like the product design and then it gets very much into the functionality of things and how they look and how they feel and, and that sort of thing. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of where the design piece came from. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was playing in bands and figured out that um, I could go online and find parts from a couple of different suppliers and find Keller shells. And, and I was building, you know, I first built a drum set for myself. And then uh, friends started asking. So, you know, while I was going to, co- going to school, um, I was starting to learn how to build drums. Um, and then, you know, I got out of school and ended up doing a couple different things and kind of some diverse uh, areas that took me kind of different manufacturing um, type locations and doing all sorts of different products all over the world um, and learned a lot about how products are designed and products are manufactured. Um, and so, you know, after six years of that or so, I really wanted to find something that I, I had a passion for. And I was kind of looking at um, the bicycle industry and the drum industry, because those are kind of two things that I've I've always been into um, and ended up landing at, at Ludwig, um, kind of just as they were investing money and in doing new things. And, um, you know, so I was kind of there just, just as they were ready to invest and some new ideas. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, you know, I know that you had a hand in, in some of the, I, I, what I would consider some of the greatest innovations in the last, you know, 20, 30 years from Ludwig. T- tell our folks a little bit about some of the stuff that, that you did while you were there. Yeah. So, um, I guess I started in, uh, what was it? 2010. Um, and then at NAM 2011, uh, we launched all the Atlas hardware, which is, you know, I designed every every bit of all the the hardware, um, you know, and there were a number of patents that came out of those designs, and um, really just kind of started from scratch. You know, L- Ludwig had some kind of generic hardware that they had put their name on, and they'd been doing that for years. Um, and you know, I I came in and said, you know you can continue with this and do little tweaks here or there, or we can just start from scratch and design everything, you know, you know, from the ground up to work better. And uh, so we ended up, you know, changing vendors and, and uh, you know, every, every single piece um, was designed in that, in that year and brought to, brought to market uh, the next year. So, uh, so they, all the Atlas stuff I did. And then, um, and then we, you know, like about a year later, um, we were looking for the new suspension system. So 
Um, I came up with the, the Atlas mount design um, and a bunch of accessories that go along with that. Um, and then I started to you know, take my attention toward uh, some of the drum product lines. So we did a, an update to the, um, was it the Keystone series? Um, and then I, I kind of, they, they let me on a, on a, you know, let me go off on my own a little bit and came up with the Signet series, um, which was kind of a disaster, but some really interesting stuff and, and really great drums, to be honest with you. Some of the best sounding drums I think Ludwig has made. Um, so I guess that kind of outlines what I did there. And, and then, yeah, then, uh, you know, toward the end of that, I kind of got frustrated with, you know, a lot of it is I really wanted to do some new things that I thought would make drums better. Um, and they just didn't fit in with, I guess, the Ludwig identity, um, and felt like, you know, I could step out on my own and, and, uh, build a better drum. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and here's the thing, you know, and I certainly want to hear about the idea of, of indie drum labs and how that really, you know, grew from an idea into where it's at today. But I, I also want you to speak to, before we get there, I want you to speak to the fact that just because you design something really cool doesn't mean it's possible. You know, there, there's a bunch of steps between, hey, here's a great idea. Like, for example, you know, you mentioned the the Atlas mounting stuff, you know, the suspension mount. Um I would imagine there were a whole lot of hoops to jump through between the design phase and how in the world do we make it and still make money selling it, right? Sure, sure. But because, I mean, yeah. just because you have a great idea doesn't mean it's possible to manufacture it in a cost-effective manner. <laughs> you know, I mean, nobody's going to pay $2,000 for a suspension mount, right? Right. You know, honestly, the for me, and and I can't speak for all product designers, but for me, I kind of find inspiration in those limitations. Um, you know, for example, you know, I've, I've we'll, we'll go through kind of the the Atlas mount um, start to finish. You know, I always felt like the idea that you can't touch the drum shell to suspend a drum was incorrect, and I felt like if you had um, some mechanism within a mount that would decouple it from the drum, um, that would be very effective um, and less less bulky and easier to deal with, easier to change heads, easier to you know easier to tune with than kind of the systems that we had been dealing with. So that was kind of in the back of my head. Um, and then you know with Ludwig, we were trying to come up with a system that worked with all the different lug options that they have and all the different, um, you know, all the different systems. So, you know, a lot of the design that, that, you know, a lot of the features that, that ended up in that mount were really just a necessity because, you know, they ha it had to have adjustable hole spacing because, um, you know, Ludwig has five different Tom lugs right. um, at the time and it had to fit all those. And then we realized that, oh, if we make it fit all those, it'll fit a lot of other things um, and, and so on. So, you know, that that's kind of how that the idea um, came about. And then came the the uh, the next steps of actually figuring out how to make it work. And 
Um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in that little, little bracket. And if you look at how those pieces are designed, it's, it's pretty interesting how they, they all come together. And it, I had, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the pieces and where the things are kind of already there for you. We know we, we've got, you know, lug holes that have to be in a certain place and we have to be able to hold a tension rod in a certain place. And then it's just kind of a matter of working around those um, and then trying to come up with a, you know, an attractive design that, that sits around it and, you know, figure out how to make the suspension in there. And we also, I guess we, I glazed over this, but we also had to prove that my theory that, you know, you could mount to the drum and suspend the, suspend the drum um, and get, you know, good tone out of the drum with a mount directly to the show. We had to prove that worked. Um, right. So I designed a little test fixture um, that could, you know, kind of do the same things as the, the mount design would do, but, you know, something I could manufacture real quick and try it out. So that was in there as well. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then really the, you know, once, once all the limitations and all the things that are required and everything, you know, is put in, you know, you're really just kind of filling in the blanks of, you know, w- what other details you need to need to fit in. So, um, I think I did, I did one version that was a little bigger and then I figured out I could, it, I thought it was a little too angular and ended up changing it kind of went back to the starting uh, point again and change things a little bit here and there just to get the, the form where I wanted it. Um, and then it was kind of prototyping. You know, we had a 3D printer that, that I was making all the parts on just to try out um, and see how they looked and felt. And then it's, then it's, uh, then it's just off to the races and getting the tooling made and getting it all, you know, quoted and everything so you can get it manufactured and, um, yeah, that it's uh, there, there's a lot of steps in the in the process, but they they're all kind of logical, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, you know, and if somebody like me who you know appreciates stuff that works, but has no idea how it's designed or manufactured, you know, I mean, I I have some idea, but you know, I I just think that was a pretty incredible innovation. And the coolest thing was, you know, at that time, Ludwig was celebrating what their hundredth anniversary that right around that time, hundred and second, something like that. And it fit with the aesthetic of the brand, which I thought was really cool as well. You know, it it looked like a Ludwig part. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's tough too, because a Ludwig part doesn't necessarily look all one way, you know, that Ludwig parts have been designed over the last hundred years. And so there really isn't a consistent design language through everything. So, um, you know, you really have to kind of take an element from one thing and an element from another thing and try to come up with kind of some general shapes that just, that work with, uh, you know, kind of all of the above. And that was, that was the approach we took with most of the Atlas stuff. You know, there were elements of, um, you know, older, older products, as well as, you know, kind of some modern stuff. And it, they, um, and we just kind of tried to follow the same design aesthetic and, and bring, bring forth some of the, you know, just the very, very prominent characteristics, like, you know, three lines on a lug, you know, we brought the three lines, um, onto the brackets. So, you know, there were, there were a number of those things. There's kind of a, a general keystone shape to most of the Atlas parts. 
Yeah, and, uh, it, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, and it looks great, and it and it fits perfectly. Um, so after you left Ludwig, and I don't know exactly the time frame, but I know that that you started, uh, you know, Indy, which is Independent Drum Lab. You started up about 2015. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your idea behind Indie and, and the startup process that you went through. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think working at Ludwig for five years, um, I learned an awful lot about how drums work and, and how I felt parts should be designed. Um, and I really felt like without some of the limitations of both, you know, the, the corporate structure as well as, um, you know, just the legacy of, you know, and, and having to fit the, the aesthetic of, um, you know, hundred year old designs, you know, if you could kind of step out of that box and look at things in a different way, I felt like I could design a better functioning and, and sounding drum. Um, so, I mean, that was really what I left to do. Um, and started to work on designs, you know, basically from a, a clean sheet of paper, kind of using a lot of the things that I'd learned um, at Ludwig. Um, you know, some key points of that were I found that kind of mass is the en- enemy <laughs> of of basically responsive drum tone. <laughs> so, you know, everything that I design uh, with Indy was designed to be very low mass. So, you know, it starts with a very, very thin shell. Um, I kind of figured out some tricks um, while I was at Ludwig of how to make shells thin but rigid. Um, And so that kind of goes on, you know, pretty much every drum that we make. Um, All the hardware was designed to be as low mass as possible um, and really just designed to allow the drums to let the shells resonate as much as possible. Yeah. So, Um, so rounded bearing edges, thin shells, lightweight hardware, uh, and then an improved suspension system um, is kind of the the four key attributes of what indie drums are all about. Yeah, and and you're making some incredible looking stuff, you know. And and it, full disclosure, I have not played one of your kits, um, but what I have heard, you know, out there in the in the ether, it just sounds incredible, and and they're beautiful instruments. Um, you know, but, but I've got to interject here. So, so what you're telling me is what everybody did in the late seventies and early eighties by putting eight pound mounting blocks on the side of Tom's was a bad idea, right? (laughs) Well, it's a bad idea for the kind of tones that I believe people want out of their drums now. And I, I think at the time, you know, the, the, tone that people were looking for was really just kind of that wide open, super modern sound where you've got, you know, you're basically hearing the heads and you're not hearing the shells or anything else. Right. Um, and they were, they were perfectly designed for that. Yeah. I, mean, I do think the, the mounting hardware was too rigid and, and choked out the drums, um, which is kind of gave birth to the whole drum suspension movement. Um, but, but yeah, I mean the, the, the heavy hardware, the, the thick, shells, the sharp bearing edges. I mean, all that stuff just contributes to you only hearing the heads. Right. Well, and and yeah. so, you know, I think there's, I think a lot of that carried through today. And if you look at the design of a lot of drums that are commercially available, you know, they, they may have better suspension systems now and they may have changed around the parts a little bit, but they still have kind of that same fundamental 
fairly thick shells, sharp bearing edges, um, you know, heavy hardware. So really what you hear out of most commercially available drums is, is pretty much the heads. Yeah. We try to get the, the opposite feel wherein, you know, the shell becomes a very prominent part of the sound of the drum. Yeah, right on. And now, when you came up with your initial design for indie drums, did you just go out into your shop and start making kits and hope somebody would have some interest? I mean, kind of tell me the order that you went through after you designed, you know, the the, the first kit, I guess. Did you start soliciting orders immediately or, or did you prototype? I mean, walk me through that process. Yeah. I mean, I, basically I wanted to have a full suite of, of parts, you know, to design, you know, I, I didn't want to design half a drum and then start making it. So, um, I designed the lugs and I designed the strainers and I designed the suspension brackets and basically all those parts, uh, as well as the shell, um, and, and designed all those up front and had all those parts manufactured, had the tooling made for, for all those, you know, I, in order to get the, the shells made, um, you know, I bought a large quantity of those, bought a large quantity of everything. It was, it was a bit of a leap of faith, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I threw a lot of money at it. Um, and you know, at the same time I was working a full-time job. So, um, you know, to help, help fund all of that. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so basically I, my target was the Chicago drum show, um, of 2015 and that that's where I launched the business. And I brought, you know, four drum kits, which I was, you know, building at three in the morning, the, the three, you know, three <laughs> nights prior to the show. Um, and, and, you know, got a couple booth spaces there to look, you know, big enough and legitimate enough and had some, you know, had four kits and a bunch of snare drums and, uh, yeah, just kind of had my debut at the Chicago drum show. Um, we had really good feedback, sold a lot of drums at that show, um, which, you know, surprised even me. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of the start of it. And then it was off to the races. Um, you know, I've never really, dumped a ton of money into the, the marketing or promotion of it. Um, you know, I value word of mouth advertising over just about anything. So, you know, rather than, you know, dump thousands of dollars into Google ads, you know, I'd rather just make sure that everybody that uh, takes a little bit of a leap of faith on, on buying an indie drum that, you know, they may have not heard about before. It may just make sure they all have a fantastic experience. And, um, you know, so that's kind of how, you know, we've, we've, been growing slowly and steadily all this time. I think you know, I could have dumped a bunch of more money into the marketing side of it um, and maybe grown faster, but I think this is kind of the the approach that I like and I find more honest and, um, you know, honorable. <laughs> yeah, it, for sure. And, you know, and this is what I will say, you know, everybody that has purchased one of your kits will literally almost immediately log on to every drum forum there is you know all the social media spots and talk about what a fantastic product it is and how much they enjoyed the process of you know working with you to design their their dream kit kind of thing and i think that's one of the the big things that differentiates you from others 
is that, you know, you're not, you know, selling to dealers or distributors. People are working directly with you, correct? Yeah, I mean, we, we do sell some products through dealers, um, and that's growing. Um, but, but yeah, definitely when I started out, um, every sale went through me. Um, and that was very intentional. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to get to know the customers and understand what they're looking for when they, when they buy a drum set. Um, and so, yeah, most of my orders go, you know, directly through, through me. They all, they work with me, you know, they tell me what they're looking for and we help them get, you know, exactly what they want. Some of them go through dealers uh, now, um, which is great. You know, it, it, it allows people to see drums before they, they buy it, especially when they're not, you know, nearby or, or visiting at, uh, you know, one of the shows that we go to. Um, so, you know, we are branching out that way a little bit, but yeah, most, most of the time, you know, even the stuff that people buy from dealers, most of the time they've emailed me uh, a number of times before they make those purchases. So um, yeah, we, we keep very, very close with our customers. Well, and I think that's fantastic. And, and you have, you know, developed quite a legion of, uh, of fans because of it. And, you know, you, you talked about word of mouth marketing earlier, and, and I'll just say this, the, the guys and girls that have bought product from you are doing a really good job on the word of mouth marketing front, because I have yet to hear anything negative any place or read anything negative. So, you know, I, I think most of the time when you're talking about, you know, a smaller independent builder, there's always going to be one guy that's not happy. Right. But I haven't been able to find that when it comes to indie drums. So uh, kudos to you for that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it's um, that's something I'm I'm really proud of, you know, that that there aren't people out there complaining about product. Um, and yeah, there, there's definitely a legion of people that are, that are out there and, and determined to spread the word. I mean, I've got guys all over the country who are, you know, they buy a kit and they're like, you know, I, I want to spread the word about this. If you have anybody nearby, you know, send them my way. I'll let them, I'll show them my kit, you know? And so, you know, that kind of help is, is huge for a business like mine. You know, a guy in California wants to buy a kit and has never seen one in person. Um, you know, and I got a guy that's not only willing, but excited to share, you know, to have somebody over to their house and show them their drums. And that's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, that speaks volumes about, you know, how satisfied your customers are. Now, one of the other things that I think is a little bit unique about you and your brand is that, you know, when you guys first came out, you said, no, 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 I do not sell kits with, with drum wrap basically, um, which, you know, I think most builders, when they start out, that's kind of their bread and butter is to sell a kit that's wrapped in something because it's easier and, and more cost effective. So it, it, talk us through that decision. I, I think I know the answer, but I'd like to hear it from you. Sure. I mean, it, yeah, as, as you're saying, it's, it's easy to put wrap on drums and they look nice. Um, you know, you, you don't have to, you just stick it on and you got a good looking drum. Um, so, you know, and I've been asked a million times to do it. Um, but you know, what I've found is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, everything that we do is designed to let the shells really resonate, um, in the, and be a prominent part of the sound of the drum. And, you know, I don't think you can tell the difference if you have a thick, 
thick drum shell with sharp bearing edges and heavy mounting hardware, it doesn't matter if you wrap a drum or not. But when, when we use our really thin shells, um, you know, deck them out with the lightweight hardware, we do all these things to allow the shell to really resonate. And if you put a, if you just glue a thick sheet of plastic on there, it just kills the tone of them. I mean, you can really tell the difference on our drums. So, um, you know, it, it was just a sound issue. The, the drums just didn't sound good with a wrap. So, um, you know, I wasn't willing to sell something that, that I didn't feel sounded good. Um, you know, and, and that's one of a number of things that, that we regularly say no to. I mean, I have people all the time ask me for, you know, they want to try something with a different wood or something like that. And, you know, the, there's a lot of custom companies that will do anything you want. Um, but and I always said, I don't sell science experiments. I'm not going to, I'm not <laughs> going to have somebody else be my Guinea pig to try out something and see if it works. If I sell something, I will have built it before and I will know that it works. And you know, that, that design and all the, all the pieces of it will be, you know, well tested before it gets in the hand of the hands of a customer. So, you know, it kind of keeps me out of that full custom world. Um, but, you know, make sure that the products that I sell are really reliable and, and you can count on it sounding good out of the box. Right on now. So at the beginning you were doing, you know, basically lacquered finishes or satin finishes, things like that, which, which is more expensive, um, to produce and a little bit harder. You have a whole lot less margin for error, but one of the things that has really caught my eye here over the last few months, and I want to ask you about it is your new finish process that you're calling Rezo armor. Um, quite, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it other than to say it looks like a wrap finish, but it's not. Can you tell us exactly what this stuff is? No. (laughs) Um, Come on, man. I want, I want the chemistry. I want to know exactly how you mix it up. I'm going to start a drum finishing. No, I'm kidding, Josh. Um, It's beautiful. Like I, I saw one that you did that you know, is, is kind of a tip of the hat to, um, psychedelic red and it looks spot on, you know, I mean, it looks like psychedelic red. It's like these really cool swirls. And, you know, this is the point where I'm telling all of our listeners go out to indiedrum.com and, and look at what we're talking about because it's stunning. It looks beautiful. So talk to me a little bit about Rezo armor. Don't give it away, but, but tell us what that process sure. looks like. Yeah. So, um, you know, as we talked about, I, I didn't want to put wraps on the drums because it really does kill the tone of our, of our shells. So, um, but, but at the same time, I always liked wraps, you know, the, the, the old Ludwigs that my dad bought way back in the day and I grew up playing, um, they were, they were wrapped shells. They had a silver sparkle and I thought they always looked, looked great. And, um, and they also held up really well. I mean, it's a, it's a 1968 set of drums that, uh, you know, still looks really good and they were not treated well. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, I always wanted something that was durable, like a wrap and looked like a wrap. Um, but I just wasn't willing to, to compromise the sound in that way. So, um, I was, you know, kind of looking at some different options to do that and, and basically figured out a way to kind of build, build the finish on the drum as part of the shell. Um, and it's, 
you know, it's something that I do by hand, kind of color by color and build up, you know, really any, any number of different looks and, and, uh, you know, options, you know, basically unlimited colors and textures and, you know, in terms of, you know, we can do sparkles or we can do pearlescent finishes, transparent stuff. I mean, we, we, it's kind of the sky's the limit. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an incredibly durable, uh, finish. It looks, I mean, the, the number of options are incredible and, and we can really come up with some, some cool, cool looks. And it, you know, again, everyone's done by hand, one of a kind. Um, so it's, you know, it's definitely an artistic process, you know, with every drum and I, I love doing it. It's, um, you know, it's fun and it's uh, kind of a, a cool way to invent a new finish on every single drum that I built. Yeah. I mean, and it looks just, just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, they just look awesome. And, you know, I've seen the, the video of you, uh, you know, uh, trying to scratch the stuff, trying to burn the stuff. It really is a resilient finish on the shell. Um, so I guess that leads me to the question of, are you still outsourcing your shells or are you molding them yourself in house now? No, I, I have the shells made for me. Um, you know, it's a proprietary design that's exclusive to me. Um, but yeah, I, I have, I have them glued together by an outside source. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I don't have expertise in gluing, gluing wood in circles. And there's a lot of people in the world who are better at it than me. So I'm going to let them do that. And I'll focus on the things that I do well, which is kind of the, the design and the, um, you know, the, the fine tuning and, and dialing in of drums. So sure, sure. That's kind of, well, I mean, I, so you, when you talk about building the finish into the shell and again, I'm not trying to get a trade secret here, but so you're bringing the shell in and then you're doing something to get the, the Rezo armor adhered to the shell, correct? Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, I, I mean, it's just, they're phenomenal looking finishes and, and they're, they're all one of a kind, which is kind of cool. So, you know, somebody could call you up and say, look, my three favorite colors are, you know, black, red, and green, and you can create that finish, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's, you know, that, that's still something I'm trying to figure out because, you know, it's such a wide open number of options that it's tough for customers sometimes to know exactly, you know, what they want. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you give them option A, B, C, or D, it's really easy to pick. But when you say I can do any color you want and mix it with any other color you want, and we can mix it dark or light or transparent or non-transparent or pearlescent or add sparkles and all that stuff, it, it's kind of overwhelming. So, um, you know, what I'm trying to do is just make a bunch of stuff and, and get a bunch of kind of samples out there. So you can look at that and look at, you know, what we've done and say, oh, well, I really like that one. But instead of the green in that spot, I want blue and, and you know, that that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I'm trying to just build up a, a sample library of uh, different options. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to say it again, but it's just, it, it's awesome looking. I mean, that's all I can say is it, it's just fantastic. 
Now, one of the things that that I love about you and your company is when you go out to your website, which is IndieDrum.com, and that's I-N-D-E, IndieDrum.com. Um, when you go out there, there is a whole section that you have called Tech Design and Nerdery, <laughs> which I think is just fantastic because you you really do get into the blood and guts of here's why I do everything I do. Here's why it's designed this way. Here's why the hardware looks the way it looks. Here's why the suspension mount is made the way it is. Um, talk to me a little bit about embracing that that inner drum nerd and, and, and proudly displaying it on your website. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest with you, a lot of that came about when I worked at at uh, at a major drum manufacturer, um, you know, and and I saw how things how, how how products had traditionally been brought to market and kind of the thinking behind them, and and what I found was, you know, a lot of those design decisions that I feel are really important to the sound were really not made because of the because of the sound. You know, you look at you look within the industry and you see all these drums with rubber gaskets between the lugs and the, and the shells. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of become an industry standard, but, but look around at other acoustic instruments and you won't find a single other acoustic instrument with rubber gasket. I mean, it's a sound deadening material. It's, it's absorbing energy from the shell. And, and, you know, you could say maybe it's, you know, it's not that much or it doesn't affect it that much, but it's, you, you, you add it up over, you know, the entire drum set, and you've actually got quite a bit of rubber on there. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, for me, looking at these things and the, the, that are designed without really any sort of acoustic principles in mind, that really always has kind of irked me. And, and, and so, um, you know, I, I've developed a lot of kind of philosophies as well as just kind of some basic principles of physics that I apply to the design um, and I want to make it clear why I'm doing that. And I think it's something that differentiates my products from a lot of other ones is that, you know, every component on them was designed kind of with the same acoustic philosophy in mind. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of other drum companies, every component on there weren't, you know, not only were they not designed with the same philosophy in mind, but they were designed by a totally different person in a totally different decade. You know, so, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I try to educate people because, you know, on the surface, I'm not doing anything crazy. I mean, there's been a lot of guys that come out with, you know, innovative drum ideas that look weird and function weird and, and they never really sell that well. Um, and I've taken kind of a more conventional approach. If you look just kind of on the surface, yeah, I've got I've got lugs and I've got I've got shells and everything's kind of similar to what other people have doing or have been doing. Um, but it's the subtlety and, and the, the, the purpose of the design of each part that, that really differentiates what I'm doing from what everybody else is doing. And I think you really have to kind of explain that in, in greater detail. So that's kind of how that came about and why I think that that piece of the website is, is really important. And, you know, I continue to, um, you know, put out little videos kind of educating people on how drums work and, um, 
you know, why, why we designed things the way that we did and, and that'll, that'll continue. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think you've got two different kinds of players out there. I mean, there are guys like me that want to understand every single, you know, washer, screw, bolt, you know, whatever the case may be on my kit. I want to understand why is this there? You know, what does it do? You know, I was the, the guy that when I bought something new, I took it apart to see how it worked. Right. And then you've got other guys that that say, I I mean, you know, it's just a wooden cylinder with a, you know, a mylar head on it. I'm going to whack it and make some noise. I don't really care. Um, You know, so probably that that latter group isn't going to be an ideal customer for indie drum, (laughs) probably, you know, because if you just don't care, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. But. I always find it endearing to me when somebody is willing to, you know, geek out on the gear with me and talk about drums. You know, you know what I mean? I, I think there's yeah, just a know, camaraderie amongst us to, to understand how things work. Oh, for sure. You know, I think it's in, inherent in, in drummers in general. Um, I would say, you know, you, you said there were, there were two groups of people there, you know, some that, that, care fully in depth and some that don't care. I think there's also a group of people that really care, but they care for all the wrong reasons. They don't understand why, but they, they love, you know, a certain brand and will never, never part from that. Or, you know, they're, they're turned on to the wrong things that don't have anything to do with the acoustic sound of the drums. And, and and that's kind of what I'm getting at with the, you know, the tech design and nerdery part. Like let's, let's educate people on, what what matters yeah for sure well i mean we all see the ads of you know we we have found this wood that's nine thousand years old and we're going to make drums out of it or whatever the case may be and some of that is just marketing you know gimmickry you know and you know it's going to be incredible you know i've heard seven thousand dollar drum kits that don't sound any better than an 80s pearl export kit that's made out of you, you know, the crap that you put down under your linoleum in the bathroom. I, you know, I mean, I, yeah. th- I think it's beauty is in the ear of the beholder. Correct. Sure. You know, so- and, and to be honest with you, I mean, that you know, when, when I geek out on, on little, little nuggets of, of drum design, you know, each little thing matters very, very little. And really you can take just about any drum and with a good set of heads and you tune it upright, you know, it'll sound pretty darn good. So, you know, the difference between what we do and what, what, you know, all the other brands do is, is really pretty small. And, and so, you know, we recognize that, you know, what we do is, is really focused on the people who are really into, you know, those, those fine elements of the sound. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you know, here's the other thing you know, I've perused through your website and, and checked everything out, you know, doing research, you know, prior to this interview, but you know, your price point on your kits, you, you know, when you hear about all the thought and the design that's gone in, somebody might mistakenly get the idea that you're going to be really expensive for, for a drum set. And that's not the case at all. Right. I mean, honestly, every time I come up with a product, I think about when I was a gigging drummer and would it even be a product that I could consider purchasing, you know, the, 
I just remember back when I was in the college days and playing in, in bands, you know, coming up with, you know, $5,000 for a new drum set was not an option. I mean, that, that, (laughs) that didn't, didn't make any sense. So, you know, for me, I always kind of try to filter things through that. Could I actually have bought that when I would have needed to buy that? Yeah. And, and so, you know, that, that's really important to me as I, as I design products, um, you know, that, that I, that I may design them so I can manufacture them at a reasonable price point. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we, we, like you mentioned earlier, you know, we started off and we, we can still continue to do these satin finished drums. Um, we could do a really high gloss finish on there, but it would make them cost a whole lot more. And, you know, that doesn't really accomplish anything for the sound, um, it just really accomplishes, you know, shinier drums for more money. And, and that wasn't really what we were about. You know, we're, we're, we're really kind of focused on sound first. Um, and then, you know, then the other aspects have to have to be in line with that as well as the, you know, the price points that, that I think are reasonable. Well, on behalf of every drummer alive, God bless you, sir, because, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's true, though. I mean, when you're talking about an era these days where, you know, a decent cymbal stand is going to cost you over a hundred bucks, you know, for the for the most part, if it's going to be something road worthy. I mean, we sink a lot of money into our gear and, you know, you always want to get better gear at some point. You know, I'd, I've never met a drummer that says, I have the perfect drum set, the perfect cymbals. I will never buy another piece of gear ever again. It's hard to come up with that cash. And and you guys are, are priced right for a quality instrument, which, you know, is sorely needed in the drumming space. Yeah, yeah, I mean... You know, I think so many of the brands really focus on you, know, you have to have a price point for every person. So you have to have the cheap stuff that's, uh, you know, junky, but it, it, it fits that particular price point. And then you have to have, you have to have the, the 399 kit and then you have to have the 799 kit and then the 119, you know, it, and, it, and it almost feels like they're designing to the price point rather than, you know, the sound or the need of the, of the drummer. So, um, you know, we, don't have a cheapo entry level thing. We have, we basically just make professional level drums. Um, we have, now we have two different, you know, kind of finish levels. So you can go with the Rezo armor or the satin finish, but you know, it's all the same, um, you know, the same shells and designed to, to provide the same sound, which we think is kind of just a versatile professional sounding drum set. Um, you know, we don't, we don't, put exotic materials in it just to have exotic materials. We, we just really focus on things that, that make the drums better performers. Yeah, absolutely. Now let, let me ask you this. What does the, the future look like? I know we, we just got Nam, you know, behind us. What are you working on for the rest of 2019? And, and, you know, what, I guess, what is the five-year plan for Indy? Um, so, one thing that's been really successful for us is, you know, the sales of the the strainers and suspension brackets and the hardware bits. Uh, I mean, those, that's kind of one thing that I really excel at is designing, you know, innovative and functional hardware pieces. So, 
Um, I've got some new hardware things that I'm working on, like Tom mounting stuff, um, you know, and little accessories and stuff that, that can go on to, you know, some of our suspension mounting brackets that, that we sell already. Um, and just kind of expanding the hardware piece. Um, and, you know, I'm always looking at new opportunities for snare drums and that sort of thing. Um, in terms of the drum product line, I think, you know, we're kind of up to speed on that for now. Uh, we've got the Rezo Armor stuff. We've got the, you know, the satin finished drums. You know, we, we kind of have great sounding drums. And now the opportunity is to expand that hardware stuff that works on, you know, not only our stuff, but, um, you know, virtually any other drum out there in the market. That's killer, man. That's, that's good stuff. Um, so I, you know, I'm assuming that your volume has been picking up, uh, you know, a lot of steam over the years. I mean, I know that I hear more and more about your stuff being out there, you know, in the hands of drummers. Um, I, right now, if somebody were to, to, you know, get in touch with you and say, Hey, here are my sizes. This is what I want to get. What, what is your current lead time on a kit? Uh, we're about four to six weeks, um, and we've been pretty consistent with that. You know, basically, we just try to, you know, if we have demand grow, we try to expand our capacity. So, um, you know, I I would have a tough time plopping down a bunch of money on a drum set that I'm not going to see for six months. So I, I wouldn't expect my customers to do that. So, yeah, we shoot for less than six weeks. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty much industry standard right now uh, for for anybody really. If if it's you know custom order and not off the dealer floor, so that sounds uh, about right. Now, tell us just you know a, a little bit if somebody does want to reach out to Indie and and get an order going. You know, what what is the first thing a person needs to do? I mean, is it just go to the website and? and hit the contact tab or, or what does somebody need to do if they're interested? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're interested, the, the, yeah, definitely go to the website contact tab or just, you know, email me directly. It's just Josh at IndieDrum.com um, or call us, you know, we're always, always uh, ready to talk drums. Um, you know, so, so yeah, send us a message and, uh, and that kind of starts the conversation. Um, you know, then we, you know, kind of, dial in the exact products you're looking for and, and we can quote that out and, and get an order underway. Fantastic. All right. Well, Josh, I really do appreciate your time and coming on. Now, one of our traditions here on the drum shuffle is we always ask our guests for a good piece of advice and you may have a unique spin on this. You know, it may not be you know, practice your paradiddles at 220 beats per minute, <laughs> but you know, uh, we'll do give, that. Or, yeah, for sure. Do that. <laughs> but, um, give us a good piece of advice. I mean, I, I think maybe your spin on this might be when somebody's looking for a new instrument, here are the, the things to look for if you haven't already touched on it, but it can really be anything, but, but give us a good piece of advice to take out in our day-to-day -day lives. You know, I think, I guess I, I will give the, the drum builder perspective um, in that, you know, if, if you're going to build a drum and, and I think this applies to if you're going to, you know, make music as well, or if you're going to do any, anything else, you know, just make sure that whatever you're doing, you bring something, something cool to the table. You know, if, if, if you're 
goal is to just kind of copy what other people are doing, uh, you know, maybe make it cheaper or something like that. It's never cool and it's never successful. (laughs) You know, I, I think you just have to make sure that, you know, whatever you're approaching, you bring something new that's, you know, uniquely yours, uh, to the table. And that's kind of what I try to do with, with, um, you know, the drums. And, uh, I think that works for just about any, uh, any pursuit you want to undertake. Yeah, man, that's, that's good advice. And you're certainly doing that. Um, it's just really cool for me to kind of sit from afar and watch all the innovative stuff that you're coming up with. And, and, you know, I, I'm going to tell a, a real quick story, how our paths crossed. Um, it was back when you were working for Ludwig and, and for our listeners, this is the kind of guy Josh is. Um, I got a, a, an Atlas bass drum pedal for Christmas one year. My wife bought me, uh, I'd played DW pedals for years and years and years. And I wanted to try one of the new Atlas pedals and I opened it up on Christmas morning and the little plastic molding that held the included drum key was broken. And I said something about it on, I, I, I think, one of the drum forums. And I was like, man, this is a bummer. Josh reached out to me on Christmas Day and said, the replacement piece will go out in the mail tomorrow. No worries. So that's the kind of guy Josh is. So thank you, Josh, for doing that. And I'm glad to to know you and I appreciate the help way back then and I appreciate everything you're doing in the drum world. Thanks for coming on the show, man. No, it was my pleasure. Glad to talk to you again. Yeah, for sure, man. Keep us posted. Uh, when you guys do something new, let me know and we will absolutely have you back here anytime to talk all about indie drums. Okay, brother? That's awesome. Thank you so much. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Goodbye. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up episode 64 of the Drum Shuffle. Thank you so much for tuning in. We truly do appreciate it, and we simply cannot do this show without all of you guys tuning in week in and week out. Hey, do me a favor. If you like the show and you know of somebody that you think might like the show, send them a link, please. It helps us tremendously. We are continuing to grow and we do have some personal goals. Uh, so share the show with somebody. Tell a, tell a drummer friend, hey, listen to the drum shuffle. It's cool. If you think it's cool. Uh, and while you're at it, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen in. Uh, you're not going to want to miss some of the shows that we have coming up. Next week, I'm going to be joined by my pal Rob Mount. Uh, Rob is a great drummer up in New York State. Uh, He has spent the last few years playing with the great Lou Graham, uh, and he just has so many cool experiences over his career. So it was really cool to catch up with with Rob a couple of weeks back. So I'm going to bring you that interview next week. Uh, The week following that, we are going to be joined by the legendary Sean Pelton from Saturday Night Live, uh, live from Daryl's house, uh, and he has just played with everybody on earth. Look up his recording credits, uh, and we're very fortunate because Sean doesn't do a whole lot of these interviews, so I was really lucky to catch up with him just a couple of weeks back. So in two weeks' time, you'll be able to hear that interview. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. We appreciate it. We love hearing from you throughout the week. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line. We will respond. 
Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. And there's more information about me over at jamieeds.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media and hit that subscribe button. Thanks so much. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers. Cheers.